recruiting ish web three world-class podcast let's get it let's go the topics of discussion you cannot get from another opportunities in web three we got you covered meta intro been dope gotta thank you for the love and support that you're giving keep it coming we going up in jazz fees interviews with the crews making moves let's see it's a brand new world of nfts join in recruiting ish podcast yes please join in recruiting ish podcast yes please Meta Intro does not give financial advice. Information provided by Meta Intro is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. Always do your own research on the companies that you apply to and the opportunities that you invest in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Recruiting Niche Podcast. Before we get into the episode, here's a word from our sponsors. Hey there, fellow podcast listeners. I'm Kevin Logan Jr., host of the Immutable Mindset Podcast. If you're fascinated by Web3, blockchain, and disruptive technology, then you won't want to miss a show. Join me and co-host Adam Posner as we introduce you to an incredible lineup of successful entrepreneurs, builders, and industry veterans who share their insider knowledge, unique perspectives, and personal stories that will leave you inspired and crave you more. Like Mike Isogawa, the CEO of Webacy, who shares her journey from being a Cirque du Soleil performer to a cybersecurity pioneer. Or Dave Schwed, COO of Halborn, who discusses the future of digital asset security and how the future of assets will be tokenized. We also break down complex topics into digestible bits, perfect for both experts and newcomers to the world of Web3. So if you're ready to stay ahead of the curve, subscribe to the Immutable Mindset Podcast now, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Recruiting Niche Podcast. I'm Alex, your crypto recruiter. I'm here with Rudy from the Wholesome Crypto Podcast back again from last week and Lacey from Meta Intro back from a sprint of job fairs checking in with us. Got an exciting episode. Um, Lacey, I guess to kick it off, where have you been? Tell us a little bit about some of these Web3 job fairs. I've been in five cities in 12 days. <laughs> it was... Uh, it was really nice to decompress when I came back uh, this past Sunday night, but talk about a crazy adventure with my whole staff uh, going to these job fairs. So we hosted our first job fair at IWB in DC, um, which was a female focused event that I feel like for the most part was uh, similar to East Denver in terms of conversation. So regulation, policy, um, and making that transition into Web3 if you're like a Web2 newbie. Um, the first event for us, we hosted the job fair. You walked into the room. There was a ton of uh, employers, employers on the screens with their QR codes. And we had three or four really cool activations. So first activation was we were taking headshots and minting them onto uh, Rarible in real time and showing you how you can then go and claim it. For instance, like putting it as your Twitter PFP. Um, we had a resume help station, a podcast, podcast station, and then a fourth one, a build your own professional avatar station, um, where we had an avatar builder come in and show you how to build a professional looking avatar that you can use if you're applying to jobs on Discord or Twitter. Um, and that was a ton of fun. So had a great event. We also had uh, two speaker panels, one with uh, a bunch of recruiters from large companies where we talked about career tips and tricks. And then the second panel was about education in Web3 from traditional colleges. So we chatted with American University and talked about their, their blockchain courses. That was cool. So it was a good event. Um, I think just in terms of what I was saying before hopping on the podcast was uh, hosting a job fair in a bear market is really tough. <laughs> so, 
yeah. Uh, I, I'm thankful for all of the people that showed up and all of the people that participated. And I can only imagine in a bull market what that fair could have looked like. Um, but internally, I think it was a good, uh, a big success just in terms of execution, um, the impact that we made on the attendees that were there and the takeaways um, just on how to run a Web3 job fair. I think if I had to rate that, that was all good. Um, so you missed out on a good event if you were was not the, there. What was the mood like for all the, like for the people applying for jobs and people who were recruiting? Um, it was okay. Like if I had to rate it on like a happiness scale from <laughs> one to 10, uh, I would say like a solid six. I think on the attendee side, people were just like surprised that we had so many employers on on the screens around the room. Um, I'll drop the uh, uh, the photo up here so you could see what the, the room looked like uh, and what the screens looked like. And so I think people were surprised, like, oh, there's still marketing roles available right yeah. now. There's still developer roles right now. Um, and then I think on the recruiter side, a little bit of disappointment, as like we shared, which was, hey, the room is not packed with a bunch of people. Um, and so, you know, it is what it is. Like, you don't need a room full packed of people to find the perfect candidate. Um, you only need that one perfect candidate and that person can still be in the room. So hopefully exactly. the recruiters that were there uh, found somebody that could eventually be somebody that works for their company. So IWB was great. Um, then we had headed down to uh, Atlanta for Fest. Um, that one was okay. That was okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're all pretty um, okay. Yeah, that, that one uh, was also a female-focused event. And for that, I, I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter that uh, we gave out flowers as swag. Did see yeah, that? You hand wrote flowers. flowers. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. We'll add the tweet here too. That's uh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of work. Um, and we had our whole team stayed in an Airbnb together, and we were all just like drinking some beer and writing note cards to put on to the flowers. So it was a good time. <laughs> Um, so that event, uh, I would say, would, was like half of the attendance of the IWB event, which is not a lot. Um, but again, great feedback um, in terms of like talking to candidates and the employers that were in the room. And, you know, the small impact that we did have on the job fair attendees, hopefully, was enough to get people excited and still applying to those jobs. And then the last event. So we left uh, Atlanta at eight o'clock. Uh, then got into Miami at 11.30 and then had to be um, at Miami NFT Week at 6.30. So it was a really long, <laughs> like 24 hours. Um, and Miami's hot right now. It's like hot and humid. And so um, we did that job fair for Miami NFT Week in conjunction with the Build-A-Thon. And so we got a ton of people that were like, I would say like, somewhere between I've already made the transition and I have my first job upwards to like, I want to build something of my own. So that was a much more degen, if you will, market. Um, and it was great to chat with people about what they were building and uh, how they were participating in the hackathon and like what other jobs and opportunities they were looking for. And so I feel like the Miami NFT week was more bullish, like overall um, than the other events. But yeah, I'm glad with, that we did the events. You know, we were talking about it for weeks on the podcast. So. Yeah, I'm sure you probably met 
some good people there too, which kind of like helped out, like at least getting excited to maybe go back again. Yeah. I mean, again, just in hindsight, <laughs> probably hosting a job fair in a bear market, bear market, like not the best idea. So. <laughs> but if you find a job in a bear market, that's going to be like go. a really good position for the future because you'll stick it through <laughs> the whole way. When's the last time you went to like an IRL crypto event? Uh, me at ETH Denver last year, not 2023 but 2022 so it's been a while it's been a while sadly um it's just they're also very expensive too so it's not mm -hmm. cheap to go especially as like an individual yeah um but i try to use like you know a podcaster uh like what's that called the media ticket just to try to use yeah. that it's a little cheaper or free but east denver was yeah. free so i was like all right i'm i'm gonna go and meet some people that i've met on my show and just make friends in real life that I've met online. And it's kind of funny how that's almost normal now. It's just yeah. like back in the day, I'm like meeting friends online in real life. That's just yeah. weird. Now I'm like, no, it's close friends are all met online. Yeah. What about you, Alec? Mine was last, I think, May at Permissionless in West Palm. So definitely been a while. And I was there for Coinbase. So like my sole purpose was... Mm like recruiting plus like meeting people again in real life because we were full remote. So it was a little bit different, but I don't know. I feel like the job fair space or even like the event space, it's like you got to have like a target in mind on like why you're going or else it's just like, again, it's expensive. You may not get the most value out of it. And like, I don't know, you could also say for like the smaller attendance, like if you did go as a candidate, that's like great exposure, right? There's like not 5,000 other yeah. people you're competing with. Like if you really networked well, you could get in front of like the right people versus permissionless. It was like waiting in a two hour line to talk to somebody from the top company. So I don't know. it's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird, yeah, it's a weird time for sure for conferences. That's I'm going to point. consensus in a couple of weeks and I do not know what to expect. Yeah. It's going to be like, Already in a market where people are not going to IRL events because everything's so expensive, I'm curious like what the attendance is going to be at consensus because the tickets are like 2,500 bucks, right? There's something that's like that. Yeah. So I think yeah. they've got like a junior pass or just like a general admission that's like six or 800. And then like the pro pass, which is what I got sponsored by my company mm -hmm. was like 2,200 and it gets you that's access to a couple different things, but yeah, it's, it, I would equate it to like an artist pass at Coachella. Like, I don't know yeah. if I need this much access for a crypto conference, but yeah, report back from behind the scenes on uh, what that actually gets you and if that was worth it. But yeah, excited. Like Let I said, know. it's been a year, so it'll be good to get out and, you know, meet some people that I work with as well as people in the industry. Cause it's, it's been a while behind yeah. screens. Hurry. How are you going to go prepared? Like, do you have tips and tricks for networking? I myself am a big introvert. So conferences, it's like these two weeks beforehand, I'm like prepping for like just social <laughs> topics and like the happy hours and all that stuff. Cause it takes me a lot to kind of pull myself into that sometimes. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I think a lot of it's just, you know, making a schedule and who you want to see trying to get in some of the chats or groups beforehand to see who's going and see if, you know, you can meet up with other people or, you know, stuff like that. And then when you go, you just got to kind of roll with it because it's probably going to be packed. Yeah. It's in Austin. So it's probably going to be hot and sweaty. So it's always a mess and you just got to kind of have fun with whatever you're doing at the conference. I, 
I wish I saw more creativity during these fairs in terms of like networking. Um, the most creative that I saw was somebody who made a sweatshirt of their own and they had like the QR code for their Lincoln bio, like imprinted or what's the word for it? Like uh, printed on the, on the sleeve. Um, that was the coolest. I would have loved to see somebody like put their resume on the back of their shirt or some, something <laughs> like that. I think that would have been fun. Um, airdrop, like seeing people airdrop their resumes, I think would have been cool. Um, yeah, Denver, yeah. they use pull-ups a lot. Mm-hmm. But now it's like not free anymore. They're changing the plan so you can't use pull-ups yeah. for free. But back when it was for free, people were just like passing pull-ups. Like you met uh, like Superfizz or somebody. Here's a pull-ups. Scan it. Yeah. And it's proof that you met the person. Or like it's kind of fun what you can do with just some creative outlets in like what we have in crypto. Yeah. Well, we should drop some ideas in the comments below um, like or in the description uh, for anybody that's watching this or listening to this just to get some ideas and if you have any anything you'd like to add in terms of ideas to networking tips and creative things that you can do make sure to leave them in the comments and we'll talk about them next week yeah the uh the so, resume sweatshirt i'm going to be curious to see how many more of those we see over the next couple of weeks yeah <laughs> see if that originated yeah. from us you heard it yeah. first yeah all right so we had a um we had some questions uh, for this past week, let me pull them up. Today we had, so we run our lives um, in the morning to essentially intake questions for the podcast. And we had somebody ask, um, I didn't get the audio file for it, but somebody asked about taxes. Um, and it was tough answering it because obviously we can't give any like financial advice um, on what you should be doing with taxes and uh, as a contractor in the Web3 space. But I wish I had more resources to give people like, hey, here is where you'd find a crypto accountant. Hey, here's how you should be um, invoicing clients. Do you guys have any opinions on that or any services that you've seen that are meant for freelancers? There are some tools. Like, obviously, number one advice is talk to an accountant. <laughs> We're not, like, I'm not a professional yeah. at this. But I, over my research and, like, getting income as freelancer it's always it's the same thing as you would do normally i mean you use crypto as cash you withhold taxes that you expect to receive so like 15 30 percent depending on what state you are and how much you owe etc and then also using tools like you know uh rotki app it's like mm -hmm. a pretty popular tool they can actually like you can attach your address to see what was your income and then assume taxes depending where you are um I think maybe a bit BitWage does that too. It's another like mm -hmm. send your income through BitWage to like convert it into dollars or fiat or um, stable coins, whatever you want. So it really, it's kind of unique because now it's up to you to decide, especially in the States. It's like you decide how you want to report your taxes. And the best way is always talk to an accountant because I use an accountant too, just because I'm not confident in what I'm doing, but I have a good idea and they at least verify it for me. Um, but yeah, I think just trying to treat it as much as an, as normal income as you can is probably the closest way to getting it as accurate as possible. Yeah, I'd what echo that. The, the accountant piece is huge. Um, that's something when I first got a job, I was like, oh, I don't make enough money or need that. And then as it starts getting more complicated with 
you know, investments or you're getting paid in crypto and you've got a W-2 job, like it's, it's mm-hmm. just safer to get an expert that can tell you exactly what to do. And I think the biggest misconception that I've heard from people in Web3 or crypto getting paid in crypto is that they don't have to pay taxes on that because it's not traceable or they don't have a W-2. Again, I'm not an accountant, but that's not how most places are set up. Like if you're getting paid in crypto, whoever's paying you is probably reporting that somewhere. So keep your receipts, keep your invoices. I mean, make sure you've got all the documentation on what you have and what you've spent. So you can give it to the accountant and they can kind of help you. but yeah, save money for taxes, put something aside. Um, I think that's good practice. Um, and yeah, if it gets too complicated, yeah, make sure you've got a pro to help you versus trying to do it yourself and risking, um, you know, getting audited. Yeah. So the first question we have, uh, Rob RSM Spires asks, as a non-tech applicant, what's more valued, skills or experience? And for my friends that want to get into Web3, how do you gain that experience with little, little to no knowledge? Which I feel like is a question we get often. Yeah. yeah. I like how opinions, though, right? Like what's, what's better for non-technical? Like, because I think you see that on a job description, right? Like here's the skills we look for. Here's the experience. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're flip-flopped and which comes first. So it makes you question, you know, which is important. I'd say they're, they're probably pretty equal, right? And I think based on each job, it might differ. Um, Like if Mm -hmm. you're in marketing, right? Like the skills that you'll need is probably some marketing tools, but you'll need experience in those tools as well. So it's not only, you know, skills is like the understanding, you know, experience is the actual deployment of that knowledge. So if you write that on your resume or you interview, like that's something to always think about is not only do I know these, but can I deploy that knowledge and use it in like a real world scenario. Yeah. When we were hosting the first panel uh, at IWB, I asked the same, I asked the question, what's the number one skill that you look for as a recruiter and everybody across the board. And there were like five people on the panel. Everyone said curiosity, which is a very hard thing to measure. Um, I wish I had the clips to show uh, of what the recruiters said, because somebody did say that there is a way to measure it in your uh, conversations with a job applicant. Do you know what I'm talking about, Alex? Like, is there a question that you can ask to gauge uh, that that curiosity? I'd say, I mean, I don't know if it's an exact question, but if I'm guessing what they're getting at, it's more so like curiosity slash interest slash research, like someone who's interested in the position and curious about like how they would fit into it versus, you know, oh, I just need a job, right? Like I think as recruiters or even hiring managers, you talk to people and you're like, this person just wants a job versus this person wants this job and wants to work here. Like there's kind of that curiosity and research, I think that comes into it. Um, I'd say my number one curiosity is part of it, but communication, like how you communicate your excitement and your interest, I think it plays into that. And like, you really pick up on that because you're having a conversation versus like an interview or like a screen from a recruiter side. But um, I don't know, what are your thoughts kind of from your side? Have you ever kind of came across that? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's tough because it's like a tipping balance scale skills experience. Every time looking at a job, like 
application. I'm like, oh, I, I did this. I did that. I'm, I can do this. And it's like, oh, 10 years experience. I'm like, well, I don't have, I'm not having been working for 10 or 10 years like that. So I can do all those things and I'm definitely a good learner. But if you're going to base it just on experience, that's, I don't have that criteria. So I think the best way is to prove experience either by doing projects and posting it on GitHub or having your own website where you can just post your portfolio. That is a direct here are my skills. I might not be experienced in it in a long time, but look what I've built. And it's just as good as someone who's been in the industry for 10 years. And you see like people coming out of high school or in college that are building amazing products and they're surpassing people who have been in the industry for 10 plus years. And they're the ones getting VC funded, going with their startups or, you know, outpacing like I guess older uh, workers. <laughs> and so skill and experience are definitely on a balance scale and it depends on kind of what your strong suit is now. You can use your previous experience to help with your skills or translate it into that type of skill set. But it really depends on what you're aiming for and what you have now or what you can build to help what you want to get. I swear there's a TikTok on our page that is a meme of what you just said, which is <laughs> I have all of the experience and skills except for the one line item that says 10 years of experience. I have to find it. <laughs> we'll play it here. I didn't, I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah, it's it's somewhere. It's one of those cap cut uh, TikTok, but um I feel like my funny. mind works at memes sometimes. I'm just like thinking in bed. I'm like, this would be a funny TikTok video. And like, just how I fall asleep. That's me. Uh, oh, okay, here we go. Ready? So if you're uh, listening on Spotify, we'll drop this TikTok in the description. Um, and uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll get to see it. All right, ready? Have you seen this one with this guy? No. Have you seen this? Alex, have you seen it? No? Okay, hold on a sec. <laughs> I wonder if you can hear it. Okay, so funny. I was laughing in bed. It was a good, it was a good viral meme. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. No, it got, two and, it got like almost, I know, and it got almost like 300 uh, views on it. But I think on our YouTube shorts, uh, they got more. Yeah, um, Web three yeah. has only been out for a few years, and they want yeah like so much experience in it. I'm like, what, do you even know what you're asking for, company? Like, I know. Do I even want to work for you now? Look at this one. Hold on a sec. If you've seen these memes, then like I feel like you'd find it funnier. Have you seen this one? I will. T I will drop them in the description below. Um, yeah, these some of these perform better on YouTube, which is interesting, and maybe that's because maybe more job seekers in the web three market live on YouTube shorts versus TikTok. You know, so. I didn't so trying think, to figure out. Yeah. I didn't think shorts would be that big, but it, it got pretty big. I was surprised, but I don't even have TikTok. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> shorts are massive. Um, we started posting our TikToks on Snapchat too. Snapchat oh, wow. like apparently is like a hot place to be, to be posting some of our memes. Um, Snapchat, YouTube shorts and Facebook shorts. That's a new one. Facebook, I guess Instagram or all of Meta, but yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got a short form thing now, right? It's like they do. Everybody's do you remember when other. people would record like videos in, I guess, portrait mode? And I would tell my friends, that's the worst angle. Do it in horizontal. Like, I want to see the full video. Now it's like, oh, it's portrait mode. I'm like, missing out that whole full view, but whatever. Yeah. Arbitrum airdrop. I. Did not follow that super closely. So like getting money from Arbitrum, you still got to report it as taxes. Like, yeah, it's still a thing. Yeah, I was uh, with my co-founder when he like 
ran into the like kitchen for the Airbnb that we were at and he was like cursing out his phone talking about Arbitrum and like all the chaos that was going and I was trying to understand what was happening but uh something along the lines of like there were like coins that looked like Arbitrum's coin but weren't and like they were being Ooh. listed and people were buying them um but what were you following from that because I was I was following the Arbitrum DAO taking out like a billion dollars worth of Arbitrum token for themselves. But it was like a retroactive thing where it was decided to be done before the airdrop, but they couldn't legally do it until after the airdrop. So the DAO kind of just did it without having a full like consensus. They just went ahead and went with it. Um, but like Sassel from Daily Gway explains it much better than I can, but he's also an investor in their uh, protocol. So he has the better knowledge about it. Um, but it was just interesting. There's a lot of drama over the weekend. Yeah. The week. Alex, did you follow any of that? Try to, it was, it's complex. I think like the, the main parts of the story were, you know, they had a DAO and a foundation and there was an argument really over, you know, the DAO wanted to vote no on distributing these tokens because, again, it was a huge sum of money they just wanted to spend as part of operational expenses and growth and stuff like that. They voted no to it. And then the DAO leadership or Arbitrum came back and basically said, you know, we've already spent it. Uh, this wasn't a vote. It was just us telling you and hoping you were going to back us up. Um, it seems like now they've kind of backtracked a little bit and they're going to maybe adjust some of the proposals and how things work. But yeah, I think, I don't know, I've said this before, but DAOs are super complex. Um, I don't think they're the greatest structure for a lot of companies and they're really not decentralized. I mean, they're not decentralized. I mean, like token, you know, allocation goes to VCs, it goes to the team, very few get to the community or retail holders. Um, and again, it's, it's kind of like running an HOA. It's like everybody wants a vote, but then when you have to vote three times a week on operational expenses and hiring and spending, you're like, I don't want to do this. I'll just delegate it out. So yeah, it just seems like another kind of failed experiment on the Dow side um, with a rather large amount of money that kind of got airdropped around. Are either of you a part of a Dow? Um, not officially, no. Yes. Yeah, so I hang out in the Boston Dow some, all the time. Yeah. yeah. A part of an yeah, HOA. And that's a nightmare. <laughs> Me, <gonna> too. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. The only DAO that ever piqued my interest was the Blockbuster DAO, which oh, wow. I don't know what happened to that, but super interesting. They were trying to buy the rights for the Blockbuster name and then turn it into like a decentralized yaddy yaddy hizzy what, you know, <laughs> they, uh, I don't know if they ever bought it and I can't remember who owned it, but I remember following the like uh, the wave um, in the you know workshop stages and in the announcements channel of like what they were trying to do in order to buy it. And that was super interesting just in terms of what the power of amount, a ton of people can like bring to the table if they can pull enough cash together. But the Blockbuster DAO was also like in the wake of uh, the Constitution DAO. So the idea of like, hey, let's just pull a bunch of money together as internet strangers and see what we can do with it, um, I think was more of the conversation. And uh, I haven't been in that Discord channel in months. I don't even know if it's still active or if they gave up. 
that's like the all that's like the most awesome thing about crypto i feel like it's just showing you the power of the people and a lot of people are still i think it's still hard to realize like we have power as a collective we can do a lot of different things together like like constitution dow or almost any dow that wants to work together to, to make a change it's possible and it, it's hard to market that though sometimes. And it's kind of like, that's what crypto is about is getting as many people on board using crypto, making that more of their work life and their financial life and kind of transitioning and disrupting into crypto. So then it's more of a global entity rather than just a handful of enthusiasts. Yeah. I had somebody on our uh, Games with Web3 Friends video series that worked for a DAO that I can't remember the name of the DAO that uh, was buying a stake in that in some NBA team, oh, which wow. I feel like is also like very common now in the Web3 space. People like buying golf courses. Uh, East Denver, somebody was buying like a cruise line. It, it, you know, <laughs> I guess it's no different than a company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people make so much money. They're like, let's buy everything together. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Well, and, so. and I think the the hard part on that too, and like Lacey, you probably talked to this, like a DAO is a company and most people I don't think realize that like when you're investing and participating in this, like it's a business. So like when you look at it, you're like, oh, it's cool. It'll be fun. But then again, when like expenses come around or, you know, who are we going to hire? Who are we going to partner with? Like all these decisions have to be made and there's a hundred thousand people in the DAO it's tough, right? Like it's hard to get everybody to agree. And there is a lot of kind of fighting that happens. But then the other thing is it's all kind of money. So like, if you've got enough money, you can just buy the influence of the DAO. And then what's the point, right? It's like, it's yeah. just another, you know, organization or kind of, you know, shareholder, I guess. But I don't know. It's a cool, yeah. cool kind of structure, but yeah, I don't know. Being on an HOA and a DAO just very much align in me for that Venn diagram. So I have not partake in uh, in many of those. Well, for the questions for Recruiting Ish, that's all I have for this week. So if you have any questions that you'd like for us to answer, like for us to discuss anything underneath the Web3 career umbrella, uh, feel free to tweet at us, hop into our Discord and ask a question and we'll answer it on the podcast. Um, but in the meantime, the only shout out that I have for this week is a big shout out. It's for Richie, one of our content creators. If you follow us on YouTube, you'd see Richie's playlist, which is all about landing a, a job in Web3 as a community moderator. And the playlist follows him from, hey, I think uh, I want to land a job in community uh, for the first video all the way to I landed a job. Um, and here's the steps and how I did it. And so the video series, I think maybe there were 10 videos or so that followed that journey um, interviews, uh, uh, fake interviews. If you saw that one where he had a fake interview with Binance and that drained his wallet, super, super uh, crazy video to watch um, to leveling up his resumes, resume and videos about, uh, you know, building his brand. And so shout out to Richie for finally landing the job. That's uh, awesome. Um, and if you're interested, if, if you're watching or listening to this and you're interested in uh, documenting your journey uh, from searching for a job to finally landing a job, uh, slide into our DMs. We'd love to chat with you and uh, support you in that journey. So I think that's all I have for this week. Sounds like a plan. 
Well, thank you, everybody, um, Lacey and Rudy, for for co-hosting with us. Um, yeah, to the recruiting niche community, let us know. Like I said, what questions you have, like, subscribe, engage with us on all platforms. Like we mentioned, we're on every short form content space that there is. So um, we'll see you on the next episode.